the voice of one crying in the wilderness. You've heard that before. Usually when? Christmas time, Advent time, right? The voice of one crying in the wilderness. Well, John the Baptizer is, in that particular instance, the, the latest in a long series of prophets. And the Bible has this prophetic tradition. And we get used to the prophets and some of their, some of their language. And we hear it today here in Isaiah, right? This very hopeful language. Right? Well, maybe. It's mostly condemnatory, isn't it? It's mostly calling us out on our stuff, as we might say today. Showing us where we're missing the mark. That is the nature of prophets. That is the nature of what they are called to do. And what's interesting is when we study the prophetic literature, we find that the prophets do not have easy lives in any way, shape, or form. One of the prophets in the Old Testament He is called by God to say to the Israelites that they have basically been selling themselves, like to use a nicer term, a woman of the night might sell herself. And so he, God, says, you need to marry this woman who is an active woman of the night in that time. The prophet must marry this person, to show Israel what it's like for God to be married to Israel. The life of the prophets is not easy. It is filled with struggle. And they are called, though, to do a great service within the community to point out where it is that the community is missing the mark. Every pastor is, in some ways, called to a prophetic ministry. We're called to look around and to to see in ourselves but also in our community, where, where might it be that we are missing the mark? And some of us are called, more specifically, to be very vocal about that. The problem with a prophetic ministry is, is that it often starts to sound like fingernails on a chalkboard. Right? After, after you've been told for so long that you're not good, your ears start to turn the volume down on it. You start to want to not hear that anymore. But the prophetic ministry and the the prophets serve a really useful purpose because they, they wake us up oftentimes to where we don't realize that what we're trying to do that we think is good is not necessarily having the effect that we would like. In this scripture passage... Isaiah, and this is the very first part of Isaiah, and Isaiah is a very long book, and they believe that there are three, at least three different sections of the book of Isaiah, and, and three different things, at least, that are going on there. But Isaiah is very much calling out the people about their religious practices here. Because as Jesus would later, the latest, greatest prophet the one who becomes the Messiah. 
Isaiah says, well, you're doing all these things through God's voice. You're doing all these things. You're, you're making all the sacrifices that, that you're being asked to make. You're doing the prayers. You're showing up to these things. But what are you doing in the community? How is it that you are living out justice and mercy and righteousness and offering salvation to all people? How is it that you are living out these things that you are acting out in the worship? How is it that your prayers become what you work for? How is it that what you hope for is what you're living for? How does our worship push us out to live as God's people. And so I was thinking about this, not just in terms of a religious community like ours that, that worships and, and, and how we ought to think about what, how we worship and is it the right kind of worship and are we doing that, but more about the things that happen that have consequences for us when we get focused on particular things and then we, we work to change something, but then there are all these other repercussions that come. Everything, if we believe in our creator God and we believe that everything came when God created it and that we are all created and come from the same basic elements of life, we know from science that God has given us that we, have, we are made of the same elements as the stars, that, that there is stardust in us, and at one point we probably were stardust, and at another point we will be stardust again. Because we come from the dust, and to the dust we shall return. And so we're all interconnected, and everything that we do has implications and ripples, and that shouldn't stop us from doing things, but it ought to stop us to think about the implications of what we've done or what has happened. In our country, we talk a lot about, I hear us talking a lot about poverty, about the plight of those who have less. And I hear all kinds of different solutions that might be possible for people. And recently, there's been an over, over decades, ever since, and I'm going to go somewhere where you may not be comfortable, but I'm going there. Once Roe versus Wade was put into place, things changed and there were repercussions for that. Right? There were ripples and waves because the law was designed to, to try to take care of something not good that was happening. Women dying from back room procedures. People being taken advantage of. And so for many years, especially religious people, were very much against abortion because of the right to life and of believing that life is sacred, which it is. And so today, we, now this law has been overturned, and I'm not arguing for one or the other, okay? Just hear me out on that. You could get my opinion on that, but I'm not giving it here. That's not what the word of the Lord is for today. That's my word. <laughs> but what are the repercussions? 
Are we taking the energy that was put into overturning that law and are we putting in place prenatal care? Are we putting in place good, healthy nutrition for those who become pregnant? Are we putting in place postnatal care and and childhood education for those children that are coming into the world? I mean, now this is my word, we should have been doing that all along, people. But now, all of this money should have been freed up. All of this time should be freed up because the people who were fighting for this particular law to be overturned should have all kinds of time now, all kinds of money to be able to direct into different things, right? Everything has an implication. I'm using this because it's an easy target for me, okay? But what I want to bring to us is that there are often things in our lives where we get focused on something so much that we lose the implications of what that means. We're working something out so it benefits us or we think it benefits us, makes us look good, and we don't realize what the implications might be for other people. And we are called as the people of God to think about the other people around us. Because we, if anyone, should know that we are all connected. That what affects the hive affects the bee. And oftentimes what is good for the hive is good for the bee most of the time. But what is good for the bee is not always good for the hive. And we, I think, in our country have mostly focused on the bee. What's good for me? And so the prophets, when we, when we hear them speak, they challenge us. They call us back to our mooring in Christ. They call us back to learn to do good, to seek justice to rescue the oppressed, to defend the orphan, to plead for the widow. That is our calling in each and every age. And we're going to disagree on just how to do that. But if we keep the good news of Christ, that last great prophet, our Savior in front of us, if we have him leading us because he showed us how to love and who to love and when to love, when we keep him in front of us, we, we are challenged, but we also know that we are living into this grace and this hope that Christ has given us. In 1909, there was a, a professor of biblical literature at Union Theological Seminary, which is now UPS, Union Presbyterian Seminary, not United Parcel Service. Um, Uh, He was a professor of of biblical literature, and he was the pastor at Westminster for over a decade. He served in two roles. And as he left, this was in 1909, he wrote this. It has been my constant aim and effort through all these years to build up by God's help a true church of Christ, a church whose power consists not in numbers or wealth or social standing, 
but in a vigorous spiritual life, a working church. Can you hear Isaiah in there? Consecrated to the service of the master in saving a lost world. Whether this church, and he's talking about this congregation back in those days, shall keep this ideal in the foreground, welcoming and seeking to save all classes and conditions. Attracting sinful, and you'll... uh, apologize for the, you know, the using of a one, one particular male pronoun here, but meaning everyone. Attracting sinful men by a simple gospel and a warm grasp with the outstretched hand. I want you to hear that again. Whether this church shall keep this ideal in the foreground, welcoming and seeking to save all classes and conditions, attracting sinful men by a simple gospel and a warm grasp of the outstretched hand, seeking to follow in the footsteps of him who was the friend of publicans and sinners and whom the common people heard gladly. Or whether, fresh from its baptism of poverty and discouragement, it shall degenerate into a semi-religious club for the entertainment of a select circle while a world around it is going down to death. This remains for your decision. And may God help you to decide it aright. These are the words that I've had in my office from maybe the first or second year that I've been your pastor. I read these at least weekly because I think that this is the crux of the issue now that maybe in more modern language now, but this is the crux of the issue in every age. Will a spiritual community like ours devolve into some sort of club or will it continue to be a working church called by the prophets to live out the gospel? That's the question for us in every age and the prophets lead us in that questioning. As I stand before you here today and I think about the life of faith that is Westminster for the many years that we've been together, I think about all of the ways that we have sought to be a working congregation. We have fought against the tide of anyone in the congregation who would want to just make it into some sort of chummy club. We have worked very hard to keep the good news and the gospel in front of us. And we haven't done it right all the time. Gosh, we're humans. If you want a perfect church, get all the humans out of it, right? (laughs) And as we move into the end of 2022 now, as we've come out of this time of this, this difficult time, we're not out of it yet, of course, we'll never be out of it, but as we've come through a very difficult time over the past two years, the question is always before us. Where is God leading now? Who are we serving now? How are we living out the gospel with each other and for the community? So may we hear the prophets, not like fingernails scratching on a chalkboard. But may we hear the prophets calling us back to the grace and the hope and the power of the Holy Spirit to lead us into the gospel and into the future. Amen.